Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. It's always good when Jesus comes, amen, into our presence. Feel Holy Spirit in this place, amen. You guys sound like a good, excited group of people, amen. Amen. Before we get started, I want to take a moment and, and uh, <clears throat> I kind of want to start a little bit different. I, I, I probably don't have to put out the disclaimer, but I will anyway. We'll get to our text here in a minute. It'll take a little bit. It'll probably be in the middle of the sermon. So when we get to the text, don't go, oh my God, it's going to be a long one. It's, it's not. But, you know, I've had some people in the last few weeks come to me and, and in different ways they've asked me about what is the intention, what is, what is my idea, what is the Lord saying in, in, in this, and, and um, it's, a, it's a legitimate question. And, you know, I've told you and I, I've said to you that I believe that what God's doing in the year 2020 is that he is bringing back some growth. He's wanting us to grow. Can you say amen? And I believe that he wants our church to grow. And, I'm, and, and you know, a lot of times we can get stuck in the moment and think, well, that means he wants us to grow numerically. And I have no doubt because one of the things that we see about the New Testament church in the book of Acts, there's actually a verse of scripture in, in chapter two that says that God added to the church those that were being saved. And so there's no doubt that God's going to add to the church. We believe that those that are getting saved, we believe believe that, but I, the, the idea of growth is much bigger than just numbers, okay? So let's not get bogged down with numbers, and because, you know, here's the problem with numbers, is numbers, uh, we tend to use numbers as a, as a, as a measuring stick to uh, measure uh, success or failure, and it can come whether, you know, it comes in all kinds of forms. It, it can come whether you measure your bank account or, you know, how big your car is, how big your house is or whatever, or how, how many people come to your church or whatever. You can use that as a measuring stick, but let me tell you something about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has never been in numbers. The Bible says this, God can save by many or he can save by few. If you remember the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer, Jonathan and his armor bearer faced off a whole armor army and won. Jonathan says, I think we ought to go against these guys. And the armor bearer goes, do all that's in your heart. I'm with you. You know, that's, I like that. That's inspiring until you're on the front lines and you're facing a, you know, a whole army. Um, but that's inspiring. And God gave them a strategy and God used them. And it's God's battle. The Bible says, you know, today that this battle is mine. You just, you know, here's what he tells us to do. You praise me thank me, honor me by thanking me, honor me by praising me, glorify my name, and I'll fight your battle. And that's a guarantee win. God does not lose. How many know what I'm talking about? He does not lose. And so oftentimes what we do is we we measure ourselves and we compare and do all of this. And the truth is, is you can't really measure success. In the kingdom of God, um, the, the Bible measures success by fruit. Okay, and what, you know, it's not the size of the trunk that makes it successful. It's the fruit on the branches. Amen. And so sometimes what we have is we have people running around with a measuring tape measuring trunks. Amen. You know, and you say, well, what does that mean? It means, well, if you got a big trunk, that means you've been in the garden a long time. And just because you're a long time in the garden don't mean you're fruitful. Right. 
I, and look, I don't, this, is, this sermon is going to serve as a challenge to you today, okay? And so I, I, I do not want this to come across as, 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 a, as, a, as a blunt instrument. I'm, I'm not doing it as blunt. I want the Holy Spirit to reach in. I want to challenge you. I want to I incite you a little bit. I want you to look on the inside maybe a little bit. Because it's easy to uh, grow big as far as our trunk. See, I got a big trunk. That was easy. That, that, was, that was cake. I love growing that way. How many... It, you know, but the fruit of our lives, that's, that's, a lot, that's a lot different. That's a lot different because fruit demands some things. Fruit demands some, some stuff. And so we've been talking about this in the last few weeks and we've covered some fairly significant ground. And we said this year is going to be a year of growth and that means some things for us. And what that means is that growth always means change. We have got to get used to that. I, you know, once again, I, I say this to you not, not in, a, in a sharp way or a blunt way. I, I say this as a point of reality. You can change and not grow, but you cannot grow and not change. It just, it just, I mean, we accept that reality in all areas of life, but somehow when it gets into Christianity, we, we don't like change anymore. We don't, we don't like that. Let, let me ask you a question. If, if your bank account grew... Do you think your lifestyle would change? You know, like, you know, let's say you're making $500 a week right now. And now what happens, you get a job and you're making $15,000 a week. Do you think life would change for you a little bit? Well, absolutely. Even those diehards that don't like change, you're probably going to go to KFC a couple more times than normal. Amen. The reality is things change. Things change, and we've got to get used to that. We got to, so when we look at growth in our lives, we've got to realize that we need to change. Growth may be a little bit uncomfortable. Sometimes growth is uncomfortable. I, I, you know, it, it, it just is. I, I, when you start having children, when things grow, when things, it's a little bit uncomfortable. It's not always pleasant, but the peaceable fruit of righteousness that comes as a result is always good. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, growth is not always automatic. Growth doesn't just happen. It takes intent, decision-making. It, it's a discipline. Growth is, is a result of discipline. Growth means that we are deeply and securely rooted in good soil. Can you say amen? And listen, this is what I want you to get. Without growth, listen to me, we will never be what God wants for us. We will never know the satisfaction that Jesus paid for in his blood. God, help us that we go to heaven and have only tasted an uh, infinitesimal small part of what Jesus paid for. Jesus' blood is much more powerful than just you and I darkening the door of a church occasionally. Are you hearing me? He, he, there's more. So I want you to listen to these passages of Scripture. These, these passages of Scripture always get inside of me. And I want you to listen. I'm reading from the New Living Translations. Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 11. It says, there is so much more we would like to say about this. Inevitably, if you look back in context, Paul, or whoever the writer of Hebrews is, is speaking about a particular subject. He says, but it's difficult to explain. Especially since you are spiritually dull and don't listen. Wow. That, that, that's pretty right there in your face, isn't it? You have been Christians a long time now. 
and you ought to be teachers of others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things of a beginner must learn about the scriptures. You are like babies who drink only milk and cannot eat solid food. And a person who is living on milk isn't very far along in, in the Christian life and doesn't know much about doing what is right. Solid food is for, for who, those who are mature, who have trained themselves to recognize the difference between right and wrong, and then do what is right. Chapter 6, verse 1. So let us stop going over the basics of Christianity again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature and in our understanding. Here is the admonition of Scripture that we grow. Are you hearing me? Here's the problem with Christianity. We are so spiritually and biblically illiterate. Come on now. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 say this, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to mature Christians. I had to talk to you though, uh, through, as though you belonged to this world. Now think about that. He had to talk to them as, they, as though they were still in the world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk and not solid food because you couldn't handle anything stronger. And you still aren't ready. For you still, or for you are still controlled by your own sinful desires. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your own desires? You're acting like people who don't belong to the Lord. That's pretty powerful. God's calling us to step up. One man put it this way. He says, if there's any problem that we as Christians must solve in our lives, it's our dedication to spiritual infancy. Amen. The greatest need of the church today is a greater number of deep Christians. Christians that are not shallow nor superficial, but mature and committed. Amen. Over the years of pastoring and preaching, I've had many times people come to me and say something like this. Oh, Pastor, you know, just give up on that deep stuff. You're, deep, you're so deep, you're muddy. No, I'm not muddy. What we need is, the Bible says it, here's scripture. Deep cries out to deep. What's he saying? He's saying, I want you to go deeper. I, I want your roots to go down deeper. He said the greatest need is that Christians, we need Christians that are not shallow or superficial, but mature and committed. Richard Foster made this point in his book, Celebration of Discipline. He said, superficiality is the curse of our age. The doctrine of instant satisf satisfaction is the primary spiritual problem. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for people who have come to a place of maturity. 
See, there's been a dramatic shift in Christianity in the last few decades. And we've, what's happened is we've gone from a sense of duty and responsibility to a place of determined entitlement. And you say, what, what does that mean? You know, we used to ask, I remember, I've been in Christianity long enough and been in the church long enough. I remember the days when, when it was, uh, where it was commonplace to say, well, what can I do for the church? Now it's commonplace to say, what can the church do for me? Now look at, I'm, I'm not saying that the church doesn't have a responsibility to minister and to care for its people, because it absolutely does. But look at, I'm not the church. We are the church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so what we've got to do is come to a place that says, hey, what can I do? And, uh, you know, I have a sense of duty, a responsibility. I'm a part of something that's bigger than me. I need to be a part of that. But the problem is, is we've come into this place where we feel we're entitled. You owe me. We've put greater emphasis on how we feel versus what we should do. This is so true. It's amazing how, how many uh, people are run by their feelings. This is, you know, let me tell you something about feelings. Feelings make good servants, but they make horrible masters. And you say, why is that? Because, see, feelings will lie to you. You know, there's nothing wrong with feeling. We all feel, and we should feel, and we should be sensitive to feelings. But when feelings become the one that's calling the shot... Your life can be no better than the best roller coaster. You'll be constantly up, down, back, forth, around, turning, and it will be a constant uh, uh, change of mood. And that's what happens. Most of us live life, and we go to the highest authority in our life, and that's our present feeling. We've turned inward rather than outward. And it's a reflection of self-absorption and immaturity. Probably the greatest weakness of Christians today is that they fail to move on into maturity. They just fail to go there. See, if we're not careful, we'll strive to be happy rather than holy. Are you hearing me? We'll strive to be happy rather than holy. We'll, we'll focus our life on feeling good rather than being faithful. The Bible clearly teaches us that Christ wants us to move forward in a mature walk with God. Look, at I'm going to say something kind of controversial. You need to hear it, though. And I've said it before. It's not enough to get saved and just want to go to heaven. And you say, how do you know that? That's what the Bible says. This is not John Poole's opinion. In Ephesians, the Bible says this. If you remember, he says, we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man shall boast. Is that correct? Read the next verse. It says, you are God's workmanship created for good works in him. And see, the thing is, is what's happened is we've taken that last part off and go, yeah, man, I'm just saved. I'm groovy. Whatever that means. That's 1960s, isn't it? I'm good, I'm saved. And then, the, but just about the time somebody talks about working and doing something, it's like, hey, look, brother, I am not saved by works, man. It's all grace here. Grace is divine ability. It's the equipping of your life so that you can be what God's called you to be in the kingdom. Can you say amen? 
You are his masterpiece. You are handcrafted, put together on purpose, with a purpose. Can you say amen? For good works. You're not saved by works. Salvation is absolutely free. You can't win it. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can receive it, period. You can receive salvation, and it's free of charge. But the reason we get saved is so that we can enter into what he has called us to be, to be his workmanship so that we can do what he has called us to do and be what he's called us to be. Salvation has natural and logical results that come with it. One of them is growth. Growth should be a normal part of our relationship with God. Can you say amen? See, as human beings, growth is such an important part of our life that we look at non-growth as regarded as a tragedy. Amen. It doesn't matter whether it's, you know, stunted physically or mentally or emotionally. When something or someone stops growing, it's viewed as a major problem. Amen. But when it comes to Christianity, it's like, it's okay. See, most Christians, when it comes to spiritual growth, they're just not that concerned, if they're aware of it at all. See, every Christian this morning is responsible for his or her own maturity. No one can make you mature. I cannot make you mature. I can't make you grow. And God won't make you grow without your cooperation. Are you hearing me? Growth and maturity are daily decisions. Spiritual growth this morning is not an option. It's a vital reality to living this Christian life. That's why we're taking the time this morning to talk about our root system. That's why I believe God has put us on this trail. Because I believe that God wants us to grow. See, without a healthy root system, we are vulnerable to so many things that are devastating. Jesus told the parable of the sower and the seed, you remember? And he talked about the wayside, and he talked about the stony ground, and he talked about the ground that had thorns in it, and then he talked about the good ground. What was he talking about? He was, he was talking about a root system. Those that have no roots at all, the ground's hard. It, the word gets quickly stolen, removed quick. Those with stony ground, they, their roots can go down and they usually grow very fast, but they have no depth of root. And so when persecution or tribulation comes because of the word's sake, the Bible says, they're burned up very quickly. Then the, the, the ground that's the thorns, it's, it's, it's that ground that we haven't, we haven't removed those things in our life that choke out the word. Look at, let me say something. Let me just, I'm kind of going on a little bit of a detour here. If you've got thorns in your life, it, thorns are those things that are habitual, those things that uh, we stumble over, those things that hurt us, those things that... Are left. Sometimes we think, well, time will cure all things. No, don't. You leave your, have a broken down car, go put it in the garage, leave it there for 10 years. What will you have in 10 years? You'll have a 10 year older broken down car. <laughs> My friend Mike, I'm going to pick on Mike for a minute. 
for as long as I think that I've known Mike, which I, I really don't know if this is a completely true statement, but I'm going to pick on him. I know he likes Chevelle's. Isn't that right, Mike? And he has one. And as long as I can remember that he's had, uh, is it Camaro? It's Camaro, sorry. He likes Camaros. And he has one. It sits on a trailer. And one day, I'm going to buy him a shirt that says one day. I think his wife would agree with this. One day, he's going to restore that Camaro. And it's going to be a hot rod, buddy. I'm going to tell you, it's going to have the biggest engine. It's going to burn the tires off. It's going to be cherry. It's going to be, whoa. It's going to be that. I, and he can. There's no doubt. He's a great mechanic. He's got it. He knows. He goes out there and stares at it and goes, one day, one day. I'm just teasing with you, brother. But a lot of times, that's what we do. We look into the mirror and we just, one day, one day you're going to be an awesome preacher. Awesome preachers don't happen. Awesome preachers are made in the crucible of hardship. You say, what do you mean? Jesus learned through the things he suffered. No, look at I'm not. I'm not coming up here, and I'm not saying to you, "Well, hang on, you know, it's all going to be you know dark and gloomy and all that, and you're going to suffer." I'm simply saying it doesn't happen automatically. There are decisions. There's discipline. See, at some point in time, I'm picking on Mike, and I, I'm just—he's going to be mad at me. He won't. He don't care. At some point in time, he's going to have to open his checkbook and write a check for some parts for the Camaro. And then he's going to have to get his hands dirty by putting them in the Camaro. He can, he can will that car to his oldest son. And his son can will that car to his oldest son. And his son, and it will stay in its condition until somebody makes a decision about the car. We have to make a decision. We have to say, I'm done. Enough. No. I went on, hey, you, you guys need to give me a high five as you're going out of this place. The other day, I don't know what it was, Thursday, I went on a negative fast. Wow. wow. I said, what do you mean? I'm, I'm, I was done. I'm, you know, so I, I was standing by a friend of mine. He's in the back. I was standing by. And I went, man, that's a pretty red truck. And he goes, yeah, man, I got it for a couple hundred bucks. You know, yeah, it's beautiful red. If I can't say something positive, then I'm going to shut up. See, I've learned that speaking negative is my natural tongue. I can talk negative, man. I could tell you, you know what? Just life is horrible. You know, I'm just this. And I got thinking about it. I got thinking, you know what? There is so much good going on. So much good. I'm going to, you know, if I got to think on something, I get to choose what I get to think on. Amen to that. That was all free, so you take that. That's... See, without a healthy root system, we're unable to bear the fruit that we were intended to produce. Without a healthy root system, we will never grow into the people God's called us to be. What we're talking about is the dimensions of spiritual growth and maturity. There is a process to this growth. It takes time to develop the root system. And the thing that we've got to understand, and we discovered this last week and in, in through the picture of David, is that our roots begin best first in the soil of trust. 
See, the key to thriving through this process of growing is going to require trust. We will never do anything successfully without it. We must understand that our trust in God is the main thing he's pursuing in us. I was reading scripture just before, and you can read it for yourself. If you read it out of the New Living Translation, it's really cool. It's, uh, it's uh, uh, Psalm 50, verses 14 and 15. And he says, when you trust me, you honor me, and you glorify me. Wow. See, there's something about that. So let's look at our text. Remember, I told you our text, is, we're in the middle of the sermon now. So I, I know I've been in a lot of churches like, oh my God, is he just starting his text? Was that the introduction? No, we're, we're halfway through. Psalms chapter one, verse one through three. Listen, listen to this. Don't just, don't bas- by- bypass this. Blessed is the man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. What's he saying? This is a person that has made a decision about where they're going to live life. There's look, I'm not going to be a part of that. In the, in the, the, the corresponding verse or corresponding uh, message that was written to us is in, is in Romans chapter 12 where he says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's a decision that I'm not going to just flow with the, I'm not just going to flow with the world. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, who leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Listen. He's, this is a guy that's made a decision. He says, I'm not going to be like that, but I am going to put my mind on this. And the thing that I'm going to put my mind on is the word of God, because then I will be like a tree that is planted by the wa- river of water. I will not wither. I will always bear fruit, and everything I do will prosper. We've got to catch that. See, good roots in good soil create good fruit. And in order to develop a thriving root system, our lives must be rooted in the soil of Scripture. And there's many ways and many areas that God uses and develops our root system, but none this morning is more important than going deep in the Word of God. David understood this. He likened those who meditate on the law to a tree planted by the water. Delighting and meditating, obviously, this morning, goes beyond just reading. We got to go beyond that. We've got to chew on it. We got to study it. We've got to memorize it. We need to pray it and especially do it. Listen to what I'm saying. James chapter 1, verse 22 says this But he, but he, why is that so off? But he does, why is that? But he does of the, but be, okay. That's, but be, why? I, all I could see was he. You get that? Man, that's deep. I'm so deep, I'm muddy. <clears throat> but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Unless you deceive your own self. Don't you love it when scripture is just straight, clear? Doesn't doesn't require a 
concordance. It doesn't require a, 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 a commentary. You don't have to define the words. He says, you just do it. Just do it. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27 says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who builds his house on a rock. And when the rains descend and the floods come and the winds blew and beat on that house, it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Now everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he will, he will be like a foolish man who will build his house on the sand, and the rains descend, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. I love scripture that's clear. Jesus has basically given us a choice. He says, you can do what I say, or you can ignore what I say. If you do what I say, you're stable, you're solid. When the storm comes, because the storm is coming, in every life, storms come. That's a part of life. Things happen. When it comes, you will be stable. But when it comes, and if you've not done these things, you're going to fall apart. And the amazing thing to me is that we're always dumbfounded when things start falling apart. We, we're like, what happened? What happened? You're not being a doer of the word. What is being a doer of the word? It means that I'm making the decision every day that says, look it, I'm gonna alter my life. See, recently there's been, I've been challenged, and when I say recently, that's probably been the last year or so. There has been a, a challenge in my life because for whatever reason, I, I don't know, there have been some things that have been said about me. Things that haven't been true, things that have been very hurtful, things that, 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 that have been taken out of context, misunderstandings and different things. And there's been moments in my life where I've wanted to get very angry and retaliate. And so, you know what I felt the Lord say to me? Because I, I, I used to always teach this in my anger management class. You know, I, I taught a class that literally called taking the fire out of anger. Because a lot of times the reason that we're angry is we have unresolved wounds. And so what happens is that kind of anger will become a flash in the pan. That's, that's why when you're at Circle K and somebody bumps into you, and you're ready to throw your you know, big gulp at them or whatever. And the reason why is because there's something unresolved in you. And so the Lord began to deal with me in Matthew chapter 5. He talks about loving your enemy. Loving the one that seems to be against you. And, and he says, pray for them and do good to them and bless them. And I'm like... Lord, and so I, I, I begin to teach this and say, you know, this is how you could take the fire. Forgiveness is taking the fire out of anger. And so I had to begin to take a, a charge. I had to make a decision. So my wife and I, some time ago, now this has been, I don't know, probably eight, nine months, almost a year we've been doing this. Every night we get together and we'll take the time to pray for those that have spoken. Either they've spoken out of jealousy or anger or misunderstanding or maybe unwittingly. They didn't even know they said something that hurt. They just didn't know. But what we do is we take authority over the words. We bring them to naught that they will not land. They will not produce the fruit they were intended. But we pray for those that spoke them that they would be blessed. That God would do good to them. God would move upon their life. That his hand would be upon them. We acknowledge them as those that are a part of the family of God. They are brethren in the Lord. And one day we're going to spend eternity with them. And we appreciate them. And when we begin to do that, things begin to change. Now all of a sudden I'm being set free. I begin to do the word. It's funny. God's got it worked out if we will do it. We got to do it. 
Delight in the word. Meditate on the word. See, many of the Psalms were David's reflections of the word. And there's no Psalm probably more important or clearer that shows David's value for the word of God than Psalm 119. It's 176 verses. And what it communicates is that the word of God for David is what informed his decisions, what strengthened his heart, protected his mind, and led his life. It was the foundation upon which he lived. The word of God. See, the root system God wants to build in our lives is a root system that's deep in the word. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says this, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. If, you're, if when your roots go deep in the soil of the word, if they do, if they'll go deep into the word, you will develop the ability to hear him. You'll develop the ability to see him. See, the mandate for every Christian is to follow Jesus, isn't it? Isn't that the essence of Christianity, that we would follow Christ? The only way you can know him and follow him is to know his word. Yet the word of God is one of the things that is most often set aside. Church, maturity takes the word and says, I need this for my necessary food. Can you say amen? I'm going to bring this to a close. The point that I want to make to you is this. God wants us to grow. He wants us to grow in him. In order to grow, we have to have a root system. The root system has to have good soil. It begins in trust. Then it has to move into the word. They say, well, I don't ever understand the word. There's something unique about the word. The word begets the word. I don't know how to explain it to you, but what will happen as you read the word, if you'll stay faithful, stop worrying about understanding it at the moment. Just read it. Let it get in. Meditate on it. Think it. What I've learned to do that seems to be very, very helpful for me is I'll take scripture and I turn them into prayers. And I pray them. And so like that, that verse that I've been sharing, you know, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you having all sufficiency in all things will have an abundance for every good work. So I've turned that into a prayer. What I do is I say, I'll, I'll say, God, you're able. And I know, Father, that your ability carries with it your willingness. Your ability is not stingy. You are not stingy with your ability, but you want to show your strong in my, yourself strong in my behalf. So you're able, God, and willing to cause all grace, your divine ability, all of it, not just a portion of it, but all of it, to abound, to run after me and chase me down so that I would be sufficient that I would be complete, lacking nothing in all things, everything, so that I would have an abundance for every good work. And I pray that, and I pray it, and I pray it, and I'll write it down, and I pray it, and that's meditating. 
I'll be driving down the road, especially when I feel, especially when the devil is raging and he comes and he goes, you know what? You're not enough. The church is this and that and everything else. And what I'll do is I'll be driving down the road and I'll say, God, you're able. You're able, God, to make all grace. You're able to make all grace, God. All grace abound. It's abounding to me. It's abounding to me. Lord, that's your word, not my word. I'm standing on your word. Lord, this is not my assumption, my opinion, but this is your word. You gave that word to me. You gave it to me. And God, that word is in the context of giving. And I've been a giver. And God, you said after that word that you'll multiply my seed and you will multiply my fruit. And God, I'm standing on your promises. And I believe that. And there's an encouragement comes. And there's wisdom that comes. And there's a strength that comes. And all of a sudden, things begin to change. And you go, you know what, God? I'm growing in you. I can trust you. I can trust you with my whole heart. And I can acknowledge you in all my way. I don't have to try to figure this thing out, God. I don't have to lean to my own understanding. I don't get it. I don't know how you do what you do, God. But it's not my business how you do it. It's my business that you're doing it. God, you're doing it for me. You're working in my life. That's me growing in him. That's how we grow. That's how we grow. Church, I'd like to tell you that going to conferences and listening to preaching, there's something in that, there's something there. But at some point, at some level, you're going to have to step out of the boat and you're going to have to be a wet water walker. That means you're going to have to walk on water. And you know what? You might sink. You might sink. Peter, he, he did. He after two steps. He was down. But he said, Jesus, save me. And immediately... Jesus stretched out his hand. They were not only in the boat, but they were on the other side. Jesus was just glad he got out of the boat. God is still looking for people that will get out of the boat. God is still looking for people that will rise up. See, church, we can come in here and we can phone it in. I've, I've, been, I've been around long enough. I got the buzzwords down. You know what? I could come in here and go, oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God's good. And say Nothing. Or what we could do is challenge ourselves and go, you know what? I'm not content with the level I have. That doesn't mean that I don't have contentment with godliness. It, it means that God, there's more and you are crying out to me. Do you hear his call? Do you hear the cry that says there's more? I do. I hear it. I hear it. Psalm 119, verse 105. He said, the word is, your word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. You know, church, it's his word that lights our way. Too many of us are walking with no light. And we're wondering why we keep stumbling and falling. We wonder why there seems, we seem to fall from pitfalls. I don't know if you've ever gotten up in the middle of the night. I have. And the light's not on, the room is dark. And between your side of the bed and the bathroom, you've stumbled over shoes, your pants, somebody else's shirt. You've stepped on some toys. And you're wondering, what in the world, this is a minefield. 
furniture. That, it's like, who put that there? Who moved that? Or you could get out your handy little iPhone, pick it up like this. There's a button and you can like that and a little flashlight will come on. And you can light your way and then you walk around the pants and around the shirt and scuba Steve and you get around. <laughs> Seeing if anybody was listening from the 90s. <laughs> I know there's half the church is laughing, half the other church is like, what? That was in a movie. It was in a movie. Anyway. But that's what the Bible does. It lights your path. It says, look at, there's obstacles. There's pitfalls. The devil has set traps. You, you want to know what the devil's up to? Shine the word. He'll show you. What's happening? It's in the word. That's why we've got to make a commitment. You say, what are you asking us to do? I'm saying make a commitment. I'm saying, take the challenge. Say, you know what, God, I'm going to get in your word. Whatever that looks like for you, you have to determine that. I don't know what that looks like for you. I could give you some suggestions. But I I ask you to get into the word. Read it. Meditate on it. Study it. Chew on it. Pray it. Let God light your way. Can you say amen? Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your revelation. And God, we just give you glory for what you're doing in this place. We thank you that you are growing us. Oh, Jesus, we love you. I pray for each and every one, Lord, that you would birth a hunger into the members of this congregation for the word of God to go deeper. Lord, no matter what level they're at, whether they're a novice right now or whether they're moving into the realms of an expert, Lord, take them deeper. Take them to that place where you begin to reveal to them the treasures of your word. Lord, let them see. You said you you told your disciples that the mysteries of the kingdom were for the children of God. God, let, let us see the mysteries of the kingdom. Father, help us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast can't wait to see you next week.